This Advent season, as we go towards Christmas, we are thinking about who it was that God sent to the world. Yes, it was Jesus, but what was he sent for? What exactly was the longing of God's people? And so we are looking this year at this idea that Jesus is the perfect prophet, priest, and king. And so I'd invite you in your bulletin to turn to our affirmation of faith. These questions and answers are taken from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, which is our statement of faith. And if you would read responsively with me. How is Christ our Redeemer? As our Redeemer... Christ is a prophet, priest, and king in both his humiliation and his exaltation. How is Christ a prophet? As a prophet, Christ reveals the will of God to us for our salvation by his word and spirit. How is Christ a priest? As a priest, Christ offered himself up once as a sacrifice for us to satisfy divine justice and to reconcile us to God, and He continually intercedes for us. How is Christ a king? As a king, Christ brings us under His power, rules and defends us, and restrains and conquers all His and all our enemies. Amen. So we are looking at these three jobs that Jesus was sent to fulfill. These three offices, roles, whatever you want to call them, of prophet, priest, and king. In the Old Testament, God's people had people who served these functions. But none of them ever served those functions perfectly. You can think about Moses as a prophet. He was a really good prophet, and yet he still sinned against the Lord. You can think about priests. You can think about Zechariah, the priest, who's practically a New Testament prophet. He is the father of John the Baptist, and yet he still sinned against God. You can think about kings like King David, who was great, a king after God's own heart, and yet he sinned against God. And so they were longing for someone to come and be the perfect prophet, priest, and king. And Jesus does it all. Last week we looked at how Jesus is the perfect priest that we need, and today we are considering Jesus as the perfect prophet that we need. And so we're going to do so by looking at a passage from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a book in the Old Testament. It is primarily made up of Moses' final address to his people. Yes, Moses was quite wordy. A whole book of 34 chapters that he speaks to them as they are about to enter the promised land and Moses is going to die and not go with them. And so one of the things that he tells them that God had told him to say to Israel is that God is going to raise up For them, another prophet like Moses after he dies. And in small ways, there were plenty of prophets in the Old Testament that came after Moses, but really they were looking for the prophet to come. The ultimate prophet. And we will see today that that is Jesus Christ. And so let me invite you to turn in your Bibles or use the text printed out in the bulletin. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 15 through 22, as we turn to the Word of God this morning. 
So Deuteronomy 18, again, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel at the end of their wilderness journeys. He is speaking on behalf of the Lord to God's people. Let us hear the word. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Oh, holy God, we thank you for speaking in your word. We thank you that you are a God who does not hide yourself in the heavens, but you are a God who speaks to us, that you speak to us through the prophets. And even today you speak to us through the scriptures. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Help us to listen, to listen discerningly, but also to listen obediently to you speak in your word. And Lord, please help me to faithfully say what your word says, to not go beyond it by adding to it, to not take away from it and fail to say what needs to be said. But help me to speak faithfully, O God, and clearly that your word might go forth in the power of the Spirit and transform us to be more and more like our Savior, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So really, our our big idea that we're looking at today is how is Jesus the perfect prophet we need? And we're going to start by looking at what I'm going to call the prophet problem. And so what do I mean by a prophet problem? What I mean is one of the most common requests from people regarding God is, God, would you just speak to me? People say things like, I just wish. God would come out and tell me what I'm supposed to do. Skeptics will say, well, if God really exists, then why doesn't he just make himself known? If God wants us to believe in him, why doesn't he just boom his voice and let us know that there is a God who exists? And in one sense, I really understand a lot of these impulses. God is a spirit. He is invisible. And so many people rightly want to say, hey, if we can't see him, can we hear him? But why is this a problem? Well, because the Bible tells us that God has spoken. And when God spoke, people didn't like it. That's what Moses talks about in verse 16. 
that he is referencing an event from earlier, about 40 years earlier, that is recorded in Exodus 19, when God's people Israel had been just freed from slavery in Egypt. God had brought them out, and he gathered his people around Mount Sinai, and God wanted to speak to his newly freed people. But this moment of speaking to the people was such a frightening experience of God speaking out of thunder and lightning and fire on a mountaintop that the people of Israel begged God, stop talking. Please, don't speak to us direct, directly. And God essentially said, okay. He said he would speak directly to Moses, who then would speak to God's people on God's behalf. That is the job of a prophet. A prophet speaks on behalf of a holy God to a sinful people. As we talked about last week, that is the opposite of a priest. A priest speaks and acts on behalf of a sinful people to a holy God. So the prophet has kind of the opposite job of the priest. A prophet was required to tell the people whatever God told him to tell them. He was not permitted to add anything to it. He was also not permitted to refrain from saying some of what God told him to say. He or she had to be a faithful messenger for God. And that meant... All the people had to listen to the prophet. Now the problem there is, listening to a big booming voice, that seems really intimidating, like, man, I should listen to that. Listen to this just person here tell me what to do. What if I don't really want to listen to this person? But God says here in the text that it will be required of you to listen to the person whom I send with my words. You are required to listen and obey to the words of God's prophets. Think about it this way. If you receive a letter in the mail from the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, and it's about your taxes, perhaps you didn't pay all of your taxes, it might look like any other piece of junk mail that you throw away. Oh, it's another DirecTV offer. Oh, it's another credit card. Oh, it's this. I just, I mean, I tear up mail so fast, I may not see it, you know? And we just see it in like IRS, yeah, sure, whatever. And you might think that you could ignore that letter from the IRS, but that letter is kind of like a prophet. It carries with it the power and the authority of the one who has spoken it. And so really, that is like the entire force of the federal government showing up in your mailbox saying, you owe us. You are required, as much as you don't like it, to listen to that letter, just as if it was the whole government saying to you, pay those taxes. And so we kind of don't want to hear it. When it's from a prophet. Not only that, the other problem was, how do you know who really is a prophet? That people could say, I'm a prophet, and God says, do this. See, when God spoke on a fiery mountaintop, you could kind of tell, that's God speaking. But if someone just says, thus says the Lord, how do I know if I should listen to that person? Our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah showed us this kind of situation. We had two prophets, Jeremiah and Hananiah, who both claimed to speak for God, but they spoke different messages. Jeremiah said, you will be in captivity 70 years. 
Deal with it. Hananiah said, nah, it's only going to be two years and God will set you free. And so how do you know who to trust? I know who I want to trust. But who's telling the truth? Well, Moses tells us in verse 21 and 22 of Deuteronomy 18. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. You need not be afraid of them. Okay? Well, I guess we need to wait. That's hard. Again, we don't like waiting. But you kind of have to wait and see who is right. To wait and see whose word proved true. And Jeremiah's point was like, how many prophets have prophesied peace? How has that gone for them? It doesn't work very well. Now, God and Jeremiah helpfully seem to have sped this process along by adding an extra prophecy that Hananiah, you're going to die within the year. And guess what? Hananiah died within the year. If you'd like to know how the story ends after 70 years, imagine that the people got out of Babylon. So maybe it's Jeremiah who's true, but you have to wait. Is the word going to show itself as true? And so listening to a messenger, while better in some ways, is harder in some ways, and you have to figure out who's speaking the right message. And so we have a prophet problem. God, we want you to speak to us, but no, not like that. Send someone else. Oh, I don't like that guy. I like that guy over there. Who should we listen to instead? And you have this prophet problem with just about every single prophet in the Bible. That there's usually someone else saying something different that the people would rather listen to that guy instead of this guy that God has actually sent. And so God's people, looking at this passage, were hoping for a day when God would finally send the true, the ultimate, the best and final prophet to come who we would finally listen to. Right? We're not going to mess that up, are we? And so that perfect prophet who was sent is Jesus. And so how does Jesus show himself as the perfect prophet? Well, he needs to fit what Deuteronomy 18 says we should look for. So let's consider that. First, notice that Jesus is the perfect prophet because he is the perfect spokesman for God. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. That instead of being just a mere human messenger, God sent his own son to earth to take on human flesh and live among us. That's the miracle of Christmas. That's what we are celebrating this season, that God sent the perfect kind of messenger. See, Moses told us to expect a human He said, God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. And guess what? That's exactly who Jesus was. A Jewish man descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's fully human, born of a woman living a truly human life here on earth. But Jesus is also fully God. He existed from all eternity past with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. And so this was God's wonderful way of speaking directly to his people without terrifying them. This miracle of Christmas, our our fancy church word for it, is the incarnation. 
The incarnation means the enfleshing, that God took flesh upon Himself. That's what the Gospel of John says in chapter 1. It says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Apostle John there calls Jesus the Word, which is a pretty great name for a prophet. So instead of God taking His Word and putting it in the mouth of some human prophet, God put human flesh on His Word and sent His Word, in a sense. In this way, Jesus is able to perfectly reveal the will of God, not just by speaking to us, God's truth, but by living God's truth so we can see what obedience looks like lived out. And so in this way, Jesus is the perfect spokesman for God. In that way, he's the perfect prophet. But that's not the only reason. The second thing we see that he meets in this passage is that he, like prophets are supposed to do, only speaks what God tells him to speak. That's what Jesus said in our New Testament reading. I was sent. Do you know how often Jesus says, I was sent in the Bible? Especially the Gospel of John. He says it again and again and again. He's emphasizing, like, I'm on a mission here. God the Father sent me on this mission. The Father told him what to do and what to say, and he only does what the Father tells him to do and say. And so Jesus tells them, you need to believe in me. He doesn't say that because Jesus wants a lot of fans and followers. He doesn't want all kinds of likes on social media or anything ridiculous like that. He says, follow me, because that's what God told him to say. He doesn't say, come and follow and worship me, because Jesus is secretly overthrowing his Father in heaven, and he's going to be like, I'm going to be in charge someday. No! God the Father told him to come to earth and say, believe in me. He says what his father tells him to say. He is faithful to his calling. And as a prophet, he does pretty much what every other prophet did in the Old Testament. He came to tell people about salvation. He came to a troubled, lost, sinful people and said, here is what you need to do to find salvation in God. And so like the prophets of old, Jesus called people to repent of their sins. That's what prophets did. Jesus did too. Repent. That's what Jesus said. Like the prophets of old, Jesus said, look for the coming Messiah. The one who's been promised all through the Old Testament. That is your hope. It is the Messiah. But see, unlike the prophets of old, when Jesus said that, the point was to him. He was pointing them to the same one all the other prophets had spoken about, except he was the one. And so he pointed to himself. This made people think he spoke presumptuously, like, how dare you say that we should all believe in you? And Jesus pretty much says, but that's what God told me to say. I am the one. And so he perfectly fulfilled the task of saying what God told him to say. Then we come to the third thing. Deuteronomy 18 says we need to see in a prophet. So he's a spokesman. That's good. He says what he's supposed to say. And then he passes the test of a true prophet. That what Jesus has said has proven true. 
Most powerfully, Jesus predicted his death at the hands of the religious leaders. He also predicted his resurrection on the third day. And the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life in Scripture, tell us he made that prediction three times. He made it clearly. He said it as clear as he could to his disciples, and his disciples, sadly, were kind of dull and just couldn't get it through their heads. But after the fact, they remembered, you know what? He told us about this. He said this was going to happen. In fact, some of the enemies of Jesus were able to understand better that Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead. Now, this is not like an athlete calling their shot and relying on their skill like, all right, I'm going to hit this home run. You know, it's going right there. And and being able so skillful. No, Jesus literally just said what was going to happen and it came true. He said not only who would kill him, but how they would kill him and on what specific day he would miraculously rise from the dead. I think that's a little more than calling your shot. And so that's exactly what Deuteronomy 18 speaks of. It speaks of a prophet will come and the way you can know for sure that a prophet is speaking the truth is did what he said come true? And with Jesus, we can say affirmatively, yep, what he said came true. And so in this way, Jesus is the one we are looking for. He is not just a prophet, but he is the prophet. And if that's the case, if he's the one God has sent, how are we supposed to respond to Jesus the prophet? Well, listen to what Moses says in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Then again in verse 19. Whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. The way we respond to Jesus is by listening to him. That is how you respond to a prophet. If a prophet has proven himself true, you listen and you trust that when that prophet speaks, God speaks. And that is true of Jesus. Okay, but Jesus isn't here today. That when Jesus did walk the earth and minister, people gathered, they flocked, they wanted to hear Jesus. So how do we listen to Jesus today? Well, listen to the catechism question that we said about Jesus being a prophet. It says this, Jesus reveals the will of God to us by his word and Spirit, that we listen through the Word, the Bible, and the Spirit which testifies about Him. You see, Jesus is called the Word by the Apostle John for many reasons, not least of all, is all of the Word, the written Word, points to Him. And so we listen to Jesus by listening to the Bible. We listen to what God teaches us. We believe That what it says is true about how we should think, how we should feel, how we should live. And we do so trusting the Spirit's power. For it is the Holy Spirit who inspired the writings of these scriptures. 
And the Spirit still empowers the Word as it is read and as it is heard today. That means that if you feel the Spirit is telling you something and it's different from the Bible, you're listening to the wrong Spirit. The Spirit speaks consistently. The Spirit helps us to know and trust what He has already authentically inspired in the Word. And so we need the Spirit to open our ears and to soften our hearts to the Scriptures because we all naturally resist when God speaks to us. So the way we hear Jesus, the way we listen to Jesus, is through the Word by the Spirit. Okay, but what are we listening for? Because there's a lot of stuff in that Bible. What is it we are listening for? Well, the Catechism again says this. Jesus reveals the will of God to us for our salvation. Like the prophets of old, Jesus tells us what we must do to be saved. He tells us, repent of your sins and believe in Him. He tells us you are dead in your sins and you need to be born again by the Spirit to new and everlasting life. He tells us we must let go of thinking of ourselves as good people and come to God with empty hands to receive the gift of salvation. He tells us what we must do to be saved. But even more than that, Jesus did all that is required for us to be saved. He tells us that it's because of Him, His life, his death, his resurrection, that we can be saved. That it is through his sacrificial death that we are forgiven of our sins. It is through his resurrection that we have hope in the face of death, that we who believe in him will live even though we die. And so Jesus announces again and again our salvation, how it is found in him. May we listen to him. And so the way we respond to Jesus is listening to him. There are plenty of other responses to Jesus that in many ways are good. Maybe you admire Jesus. That's a good thing. You think he's a noble man who taught people well. He is a good inspiration and example. I hope you think that, but I also hope you listen to him. You can admire people you don't listen to. Listen to Jesus. Maybe you consider what Jesus has to say. There's a lot of truth out there. And so like in all of the people I listen to, like Jesus gets a hearing and I'll even like listen to him pretty good, but I'm going to weigh it with what I think and what others are telling me and what the world thinks. And maybe you consider what Jesus says. Well, I hope you consider what Jesus says, but I also really hope you listen to what Jesus says. Considering is not enough. Or maybe you respond to Jesus by praying to him. That's also a very good thing. We pray to Jesus, Lord, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. But before we prayed, have we listened to the kind of help we truly need? Have we listened to what He has told us about our desperate need of Him for salvation? Will we listen to Jesus? Will we believe His Word? And will we believe it when it's in an old book? instead of booming at us from a mountain? Will we believe it when a pastor, a teacher, a friend shares the Word with us? And maybe it's not what we want to hear, but it is from here 
that is in line with this and true? Will we listen to Jesus? Will we listen to the great prophet who is also our great Savior? Our hope to listen is the Spirit. And we pray for the Spirit to speak through His Word and give us ears to hear His Word that we might not only hear it, but listen and respond with faith and obedience to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we pray that You would work by Your Spirit in us. Give us ears to hear. Give us ears to listen to Your truth, to believe it. We pray, O God, that You would please help us because we desperately need the help to listen. We pray, O God, that we would love Your Word, that we would delight in it, that we would strive to obey it, and that we would use it as our ultimate authority. So God, bless us today in the hearing and listening to the Word. In Jesus' name, amen.